I got lots of stuff here just in case, so at five after I still have something maybe worth saying. I, nothing else, I can just open this up. But um, each week, this team behind us, maybe some different characters at a time, different folks, different players, singers, but each week they lead us in expressing our worship. Think about it, to the God of grace, the God of glory the king of the universe, the God of all creation, the Savior who gave everything that we could have a right relation and one with him and one day be with him eternally in heaven for all eternity. And uh, as they do that, they lead us in songs of truth, songs of hope, songs of the things that we believe, songs filled with, with our doctrine that we stand on, that we base our lives on. And so this morning, no different. They, in fact, uh, they, they gave us some doctrine today that'll help us. But if we, all we know is the words of that doctrine and it's not lived out in our lives, we've just wasted our time here today. Uh, I love the fact that uh, they've led us to, to sing together these truths that, that we, we understand and we believe. And um, it's in these songs that as we sing these truths about God, we find our hope. We sing songs of hope in a place where the world is broken and in despair. And um, we sing songs of peace. That when the storms of life are raging, all Jesus has to say is, peace, be still. And I know that all of us have gone through those times. Those times where we needed to know the peace of God and needed to understand it. And the only way we're going to know it is if we understand what he's saying to us through this word and then we live out that. And that's, that's where we are today. We are here to live out this, this truth that we've learned, that we've been taught, that we are learning, that we continue to learn. Um, let me find where I am on my notes. Uh, today we sang songs that tell the world what we believe. These songs filled with doctrinal statements. And that's where we'll step into the book of Titus today. At Titus 2, the first 10 verses of that chapter. Um, now, I will tell you this. I listened to six messages from one guy on all ten of these verses. So if I were to try to share with you all of that today, we'd be here for a long time. And I've tried to condense and tried to understand. So there's that much in here, and, and I, I don't have that much I can tell you. But I can tell you this, uh, as we read this scripture in just a moment, we're going to see some things. And and. But we're going to get down to the last verse of this. And it says, Titus, teach them how to adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Do you know what that means? When you adorn something, you make it beautiful. And so I first thought, well, I'm going to title this message, How to Make the Doctrine of God our Savior Beautiful. I mean, because that's really what he's saying to do here. And then I really wanted to say, making Jesus look good. 
but that's really not, you know, that's probably not appropriate. And at least if I had said that in the church I grew up in a long time ago, I would have been kicked out probably. But, but that's what you're here to do. You're here to make Jesus look good. And this morning, we're going to look at these verses and try to understand some of what that is. That means that older men, you have a responsibility. And if you don't take advantage of the opportunity that God's given you, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the best part of life that he's given you so far. Older women... You have a responsibility. And um, older, let me just deal with that for a minute. I'm nowhere near my notes, y'all. But let me deal with that. Older women, older men, 50 is the magic number. Amen. There you go. <laughs> so, so us older people, we deserve your respect. But we got to earn it if we're going to deserve it. So... Uh, we're going to look at that today. We're going to talk about that. Um, and then he goes on to younger women. Younger women, this world would tell you something quite different than what God's going to tell you today. And if you don't like what I'm saying, I'm just, I'm just going from here. So you take it up with the creator of all creation. And, um, and I'm not going to back away from what God's saying. Younger men, God's got a lot to say to you. There's only four points there, but there's a lot to say to you. And, um, and it's up to us older men to help you grab hold of that. And then for most of you here, there's something to say about how you're going to live your life in the workplace. And all that's going to wrap up to show the world what a loving father we have. What a son who would submit, we're going to deal with that word, who would submit to his father to bring you into glory for eternity, for all that will trust in him. So that's where we're going today. Um, I want to give you an example of, um, so we're, we're looking at how to attract, we're going to attract because of the beauty that we give. And um, I, I've watched an illustration of this for a few months now. If a four-year-old walks into a room full of toys, that four-year-old is going to pick a toy. And he's going to be playing with and He's going to be quite happy with that toy until a two-year-old walks in and picks up a different toy. And as soon as the two-year-old picks up the different toy, the four-year-old doesn't want that. He wants what the two-year-old's playing with. And then he does everything in the world if mom or Dad, or if Pop's around, um, they're going to, you know, you need to give, if you want to take that toy, you've got to trade him something, or, or you can't take that away from him, or whatever they say. But the deal is, the four-year-old finally gets the toy, the two-year-old goes to play with something else, and the four-year-old wants what the two-year-old has. That's called attraction. Now... I'm, we're not talking about toys here, and we're not talking about the negative aspect, but attraction is looking like Christ in such a way that the world wants to know this Christ. They want to know and, and this Jesus that we're talking about. We've been singing about him all morning. We, we come together and talk about him. So um, 
we want to be able to attract the world to Christ. We want to be able to adorn this doctrine that we believe in such a way that the world comes to know him. You know, um, advertising and marketing is a huge industry. And I started to say around the turn of the century, and for me, that would have been like the late 1800s, early 1900s. That's what I grew up here in the turn of the century. But now we're, we've moved on to the 21st century. So around the turn of the century, churches grabbed hold. That was around 1990 and early 2000s. Churches grabbed hold of this idea and marketing became the strategy for the church to grow. We're going to do whatever it takes to, to bring people in. And churches forgot. They watched a church do this here and a church there that really stayed on their knees before God and, and said, God, what can we do? But a lot of churches just skipped over that part and just said, well, they did it. They drew a crowd. We'll do it and we'll draw a crowd. We just followed our marketing and our strategy and we missed out on the most important way to draw a crowd and that's to know the God of this Bible and to know his son and to live that out in such a way that the world is drawn to him. Um, in this series, we're, we're, this, this is a yeah, series entitled Foundations and in particular we're in the book of Titus and pastors Drew and Elvis um, the last three weeks have covered chapter one and today we're going to move on. So if we can throw that chapter 2 up there, we'll read this, and um, he starts off, Paul starts off talking to Titus, but as for you, and he's talking to Titus, but it's for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, reviled. Uh, I missed it. Kind, I almost missed that one thing. And submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, Urge the younger men to be self-controlled. And this next seven, verse 7 is directly to Titus, but he is to teach this to the younger men. Show yourself in all aspects, in all, all respects, to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may not be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything they are to be well pleasing not argumentative not pilfering but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God would you pray with me father I'm afraid that so much of the time I don't take your word as seriously as I know you want me to. I'm afraid that so many of us are like that. We may look at it, we may give it a, a thought for the day, read, find a verse. Oh, that's a great verse for the day. But God, you're saying much more than just learn a verse for the day or read a few passages of Scripture. 
God, you're saying live this out. And we cannot live it out until we begin to understand and we begin to incorporate it in our lives. So we need you this morning. If we're going to leave different than the way we came in, we have to have you. Holy Spirit, we've already sung and welcome you in this place. May it be that we truly welcome you to do all that you want to do in our lives today. Open our eyes to see your truth. Open our hearts to understand and our minds. And God, I pray that we would have the courage when we come to the end of this morning to say, yes, God, I will do what you ask me to do. God, would you forgive us for all those times we haven't? And would you change us? We pray for this nation as we pray this morning too. God, we pray for revival. And we don't really even understand what that means other than we want you to change us, to look like Christ. So come and do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Drew, as he started his message, some people do listen to I listen to you, buddy. Uh, as he started his message, he went back to Elvis. So Elvis, Drew listens to you. Because uh, he knew that you did a verse the last week. So he went back to a verse. So I'm going to do that. So next week, if you want to go back to any, cover anything I miss, you, you go for it. But he went back to um, verse one, uh, verse 16 out of chapter 1. Is that on there? Oh, there we go. They profess. Where is it? They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Now, you remember on this, Paul is referring to the people of Crete. Uh, in fact, the Cretans, you know, one of their prophets even says they're liars, they're worthless, they're no good. They're, yeah, I mean, they didn't even have much good to say about their own people. And... Um, so Paul was using a term here when he said unfit for any good work. He's using the word adokimos. That's a Greek word that simply says that it's actually a building term, a construction term. If a stone was ready to be put into place but it was, it was marred, it was not going to be able to do its function. Uh, if it's a foundation, it could not hold up the foundation. If that stone was, was marred so that it was no good, it was marked with an A or an alpha. Back then, we would put an A on it today, I guess. And that meant it is unfit. It was thrown away, and that A on there said, no more, it's not good for anything. I don't know if you've ever built anything, but if you go to one of the stores and buy a bunch of lumber or if you order it online and then you go pick it up you might get it home and all of a sudden I've built some decks help myself and family and other people I've built some decks um, and you come across a, a board you know these five quarter boards and you find one that looks about like this uh, it's unfit it, it won't work it, the next other boards won't butt up to it. It it just and it looks awful. That board would be just tossed aside. Actually, it'd be taken back and gotten money back. And Home Depot or Lowe's or Kaufman or um, all you other lumber companies around. Sorry, I don't didn't put everybody in. But all of 
that, that lumber would just be cast aside. It's, it's worthless. It's not good for anything. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to carry a mark of A on me saying, Adokimos, you're unfit, you're no good. And the wonderful thing about it, through Jesus Christ, if you, we're stepping away from that, but through Jesus Christ, if you have lived that life of being unfit, he will redeem you and wash you clean and make you not only worthy, but he'll call you a child, his child. He'll make you a part of his bride. Uh, he will receive you gladly. So wherever you are today, know that there's a God in heaven that loves you and has prepared a way for you. Um, so Paul moves on to this. From, from this saying, unfit, moves in now, he says, but you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. I spent most of my time in pre preparation for this, trying to un look in at sound doctrine, and I missed the whole point. He didn't say no sound doctrine, which we do need to know sound doctrine. What accords with sound doctrine, that means live it out. How do you live out this sound doctrine? He's, and, and, and as I realized that, I thought, oh, God, that's what you're saying down here in verse 10. Make Christ beautiful by living out what you keep saying you're living out. So as we do that, then here's some ways we can do that. First, Paul says, older men. In verse 2 he's, uh, of chapter 2, he says, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So, that is in comparison with the Cretans who we've already said were lazy, they're worthless, they're no good. And older men, you may have brought up in a culture like that, but it's your time to be different. So, here's some things he said. You're to be teachers. You're to teach what's consistent with sound doctrine. You're to be level-headed or sober-minded. You're to be self-controlled, dignified, sound in faith, steadfast. Men who have gained through life experience these qualities of sober-minded, dignified. Men who, who have learned through successes and failures what's important in life. And so older men, those of us around this room that fit that place in life, that station in life, we have a responsibility. We've not arrived and it's time just to sit back and do nothing. It is the time that we are to become most active in training the younger men. I know that we've talked, Drew and I've talked some, and um, this church is a young church. We are early in our stages, and we're trying to still trying to develop and understand that. But the one thing we've got to have, it is time, older men. It is time we step up and we take the responsibility for the younger men and building into their lives. So how old is, is South City? Three and a half years. We're still laying a foundation. And that foundation's got to be solid. 
And that foundation is, is, is coming together. So on this foundation, we're going to build older men who will invest in younger men and invest in their families and make a difference in the, with the gospel in this place we call South City so that, is this up? Yeah. So that, I, I noticed the last few weeks it's dropped down, sorry. Um, We've got to do this so that the world will see a beautiful Christ. There are um, a couple other things about older men. We're to be reverent. The older men, uh, the ESV says we're to be dignified so that he is worthy of respect. He is worthy of honor, respect, particularly by younger men because of the purity and integrity in his life. So older men, that's our place. That's our job. There's not a lot of us, but there's enough to make a difference. So we come together and we do that. We make that difference. We're to be self-controlled. John MacArthur summarizes this character by saying, Such a man should have a discernment, discretion, and judgment that comes from walking with God for many years. They control their physical passions and they reject worldly standards and resist worldly attractions. And Romans 12, 2 says we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, not by, uh, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is, that is where we are. We are to be transformed from the standards of this world to the standards of the kingdom of God. We're to be sound in faith, uh, to have such a confidence in God that um, we know, you know, as when I was growing up, and I bet it was played a lot of times here, it was from second, the, the chorus of this hymn was taken from Second Timothy 2, 23, no, Second Timothy 1, 12, it says, the song said, I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. That's taken directly from a more King James version of 2 Timothy 1.12. The ESV would say, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For now I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So older men, God's entrusted much to you and, and me, and we have the responsibility. He's entrusted it to us so we can either be like the servant who invested or the servant who went and dug a hole and hid his talent. Um, older men to be loving by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Be patient and steadfast. And I'm going to skip over patient because I don't have time to deal with patience. Because I'm an impatient person. So you know where I need to work. You can ask my wife. You can ask anybody that rides with me. I'm impatient. Traffic's, yeah. Okay. Older men, we got job to do. Older women, you do too. And... Um, Paul says, older women likewise. So, just like the older men have responsibilities, older women likewise. You are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good 
And so train the younger women. Older women as older men are to live godly lives. They're to be reverent. Uh, That word likewise, again, her behavior is to be that of holy living. Uh, Older women are to be truthful. Um, He goes on, I'm guessing that that society was a place where maybe they got together and, and stories began to spread. Uh, ever, ever see that around here where you tell somebody something and then all of a sudden later on you hear what you, you, you didn't, that's not what you meant when you told them that, but now the story is blown so big. Older women, you're to be truthful and, 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 and honest and right. You're to be level-headed just like the older men, but he says, not given to much wine. Uh, this is a strong admonition for her not to be enslaved to wine to the point that they're owned, dominated by its controls. Alcoholism must have been a severe problem there as Paul addresses it not only here, but he addresses it in First and Second Timothy as well as in Titus and, uh, and in First Corinthians. And um, I'll just say this about alcoholism. The person who never takes a drink will never be an alcoholic. So I'm not here to debate the wine story in the Bible. Um, and I've heard some fantastic messages on that. But I am here to tell you, if you never take the first drink, you don't have to worry about being trapped by alcohol. Young people, you can do that. Uh, I'm, I promise you, you can do that. You can say no to all those things that the world says, oh, it's all right. Um, Anyway, they're to be teachers. Just as the older men are to teach the younger men, the older women are to teach the younger women. And realize that the older women, women, period, you guys are a gift from God, not just to your husbands, but to your families, to your children, to your grandchildren. You know, you realize that women are who nurture the child the child doesn't grow, a man doesn't have a womb for the child to grow in, but the child grows in the mother as a viable, living creation of God. That child grows and that mother nurtures the child. It's, it's interesting to hear and a, a young lady Maybe she's pregnant and she says, I'm, I'm, I can't have any caffeine or I can't have this, can't have that. She's doing everything she can to protect that child. And then once that child is born, she is the one that gives nourishment to that child. Women have, the reason Paul spends so much time here on older women and then younger women, is because women, you're the ones that keep this world sane you're the ones that have the opportunity to pour into the lives of children so that whether it's a bo- young boy or a young girl, that child grows up to be a child who will make a difference in the world, a difference in the kingdom because of how the women have poured into him. That does not negate the man's responsibility with children, but it's just the fact that women, you're the nurturing agents here. You're the ones that give so much and have so many sleepless hours and, and are so worn out as you raise these children. 
and bring stability in their lives. So women, I just want to say thank you. And, and, and I can say, my wife is in childcare today. Becky um, is the model of this. And um, I, she, uh, my family would probably fall apart if it weren't for her. So anyway, women, you older women, you are the ones. You model it. You teach it. You disciple. Your insight and your wisdom uh, are to be given to the younger women. And then he goes to younger women. That's interesting. He goes from older men, older women to younger women. And you think, younger guys, you're all right. You're going to be left out. But younger women... Let me see. Let me pick up this verse. And so, train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive in their own, to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Do you know that out of this book, that one verse is the only place, ladies, that you're told to love your husband? That's the only scripture that says, women, younger ladies, younger women, love your husbands. Um, the other gospels, I mean, the other epistles, the other letters say men are to love their wives. But evidently, Paul knew that something needed to be said somewhere along the way to Titus. And he said, you know, instruct them, older women, instruct them to love their husbands. So how does that look? How does that look like? You know, our culture is far different from what this word says. Um, our culture would take us so far away from God's truth. And um, probably somewhere later I'm supposed to say this, but I'll just do it while it's on my mind. Um, our culture and the things that we're told, whether it's young, older, whatever age... If you look back, way back, like Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are tempted to say, God, I, I like your standards, but I'm going with the snake. They're tempted to turn away from what God's best is, and they choose to turn away from God's best. So... I don't know where you are this morning in any in any of the any of this, but I can tell you, God's standard is found here. And if you're not in this, if you're not reading this, let me just do a commercial. Um, our pastor asked us to read through this book. This I brought the big one because it's easier for me to deal with. Um, to read through this book this year. And um, so, that's kind of like if, I, if you're going on a diet, you've got certain things you can't eat and certain things you can't eat. So, I, I was going to tell you what my diet's been this week, I think. So, I've been on this diet, and um, let's see, last Sunday, uh, or Monday... 
Uh, my diet was Genesis 41 and Job 25 and Mark 15, 33 through 47. And then Genesis 42 and 43, the next. Uh, you get my diet. If I'm going to be healthy, I really need to eat healthy food. And if your spirit and your soul are going to be healthy, it need, we, we need to be taking in healthy nourishment. So if you haven't started that this year, it's not too late to say, okay, Pastor, I accept your invitation. I'm going to read through that book this year. And um, realize this, when you eat or don't eat, when you don't eat, you, you miss a meal, you don't just stop eating altogether because you miss the meal, do you? You go ahead, you eat the next time you get, you know. When you skip a meal, you don't stop eating. If you miss a day because just life was so crazy, don't stop reading. Go back into this and, and stay, in, stay in this Word. Because it's this Word that helps you to accomplish what Titus is saying to us here, what Paul's saying to us, what God is saying through Paul to Titus. Older men, younger men, young, older women, younger women. So, our culture would do anything to move us away from God's best. And here in this book, it says, love your husbands. Interestingly, this is the only place uh, in the Bible. Husbands are told to love their wives in multiple places. Paul was concerned that a woman's first commitment under the lordship of Christ would be to her husband and her marriage. The way that couples love each other is a model for their children. And how many teachable moments do husbands and wives have in their lives? How many do we miss? But just because we missed a teachable moment doesn't mean we have to stop. Get back on track and make those teachable moments. And it's in there, it's that husband and life, wife loving one another and living out God's truth. Love your children. The most important way a mother can love her children is to love them to Jesus. Um, there's so much more here. Um, what, younger women, be self-controlled. Um, we're called to exercise self-control. Uh, and where a young man, woman can see in the older women as they model this. This is the need for older women to model these things so that the younger women see that. Um, she is called to be pure. Her moral life is to be above reproach. Her husband has a confidence and trust in her that she will always be with him. Um, she is to be pure. She is to be a homemaker. The NIV says busy at home. Her home is where her main focus is. And if you read uh, Proverbs 31, you see that that does not mean she does not do things outside the home. In fact, just a few things out of Proverbs 31. I started to put that list up there and I thought, you see those scriptures on the screen and you think we'll never get home. But a woman, who can find a woman, a virtuous wife, for her worth is far more, uh, far above rubies. Her heart of, the heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. And then it goes on through this. Man, she is like merchant ships. She brings food from afar. She rises while it's still night and provides food for her family. Uh, she considers a field and buys it. Uh, she stretches out her hands um, to the distaff and her, and her hand holds the spindle as she make, 
makes the yarn, make the fabric. Um, she extends her hand to the poor. She's not afraid of snow for her household. Um, and wow, it just goes on and on about the qualities of a woman. Paul's not saying, I don't think he's saying here, there is no place for a career in a woman's life. But her first career is to raise her family, to be that sound basis, give that sound, firm foundation for her family to grow, for her children to grow, to love God. Um, she's to be good. In other words, be kind. You know, um, someone came to Jesus and said, good master, and he said, you know, there's none good but the Father. But, the, but he was a kind man. Jesus was kind, and that's the kind of woman, that's a young woman is to be kind. She's to be subject to her husband. We see this in several places in the New Testament. Ephesians 5, 21 through 24. Colossians 3, 18. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 5. Submission does not mean someone is weak. Submission means to yield to one's leadership and direction. Submission means to yield in one's leadership. Y'all, I am a poor reader. One more time. Submission means to yield in one's will to the leadership and direction of another. This is more of an attitude than it is an action. There is no inferiority in submissiveness. It's plainly seen in the Trinity where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are equally God. And yet for the purpose of redemption, the Son submits himself to the assignment of his Father. Submission's not an ugly word. Submission's a great word. Because not only does it place you in a place of being protected but it gives you the freedom to actually live out the life that you have been given, the very purpose you were created for. So uh, when this world would tell you, that's a horrible word. It's, it's a beautiful word. And just remember, your Savior, the one who hung on a cross and took every sin that you ever have and ever will commit, and paid the penalty for that sin price. He paid that price. He submitted to his father. So that one day. You will see him face to face in glory. And. Um, so why wouldn't you want to learn. And understand the role of submission. We. We as a church. Submit to leadership of our pastors. Not because there's something, you know, they know it all. But we're trusting God. And God, as he leads them through the power of his Holy Spirit, we can follow them. And the wonderful thing about these guys, they are open to, if there's um, a different point of view, they're more than willing to look at that and listen to that and walk with us in that. We have been blessed uh, with our pastors, Pastor Jerry Pastor Elvis, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Drew. We, we are a most blessed church to have these guys who have a heart 
to know God and lead his people. So that's, that was free. You, don't, you didn't pay for that today. Um, a wife is to submit to her own husband, not every man, but to her husband. Unless he asks her to do something unbiblical, illegal, immoral, or unethical, she is to follow his leadership. And by doing this, she honors God in his word. Who wouldn't want to honor God in his word? Seriously. Um, so, young men, you got responsibilities. If you're going to deserve that kind of respect from your wife, then you better be living it. And older men, it's, it's our job to help them understand that. Uh, younger men, likewise, just like everybody else, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that opponents may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Well, wouldn't it imagine a church that was so tuned in to what God's saying and so obedient to God that even though they looked different from the world and everything the world has to throw at it, they had nothing evil to say about them. When Jesus was crucified... When Pilate turned and said, you know, what has he done? They had nothing to, they couldn't say anything. Because Jesus had lived his life in such a way to the Father. And a church, we can be that church when we're living out and obeying and following and doing the things that God's called us to do. We can reach not only the people around us, but we can reach out to a world that needs to know Christ. Um, Young men, be level-headed. It does not say, young man, be hot-headed. It says, be level-headed. That level-headedness, just like the previous groups, be sensible and self-controlled in everything. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it's the source of life. If a young man is to win the battles this world forces on him, he must learn this. A young man is to be a good example, an example of Christ. Uh, and that word example, it means like be the, be the same type or like a mold. The mold here, if, you know, where you're going to make something out of something. Um, young men, be molded into where, oh, there's Christ. He's walking, on the, he's walking on this earth because that young man is living out this Jesus. Um, be that kind of example. Be sound in doctrine. Have that firm foundation. Not a, not a, a, a wishy-washy that, well, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm going to go do this. I know I should, I know I, but be sound in your doctrine. Be firm in your foundation so that... So that no matter what the world sees, they're not looking at something that's counterfeit. Um, Remember, chapter 1 deals with false doctrine and what was being taught in the church. And Paul's encouraging Titus, guard against false doctrine. To do this, one must be sound in doctrine. And a young man is to be sound in speech. Um, There's no place for the 
distorted language that the world has to give in a young man's life. He's to be sound in speech. His speech is to be what builds up um, what really, yeah, just what builds up. He goes on, um, our society's gotten so far away from this, and, and it's time, young men, that we see you, you know, rise above what this world has. Bond servants are to be submissive to their masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, uh, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Um, wow, bondservant, just real quick. Bondservant was the guy that said, I'm not leaving you. I know I was your slave, I was your servant, but I'm not leaving you. Put a Pierce my ear, I'm yours forever because I love you, Master. I love you. And um, if we look at this role, I'm, I'm skipping over a lot of stuff here, but we look at the role of um, master and servant. Here we go. Um, we see that Jesus obeyed his master, his father. Um, and, and when we come to that place that we say, Jesus is Lord. We're confessing that Jesus is Lord. Curios is that word for master. And doulos is that word for servant. We, we choose to lay down everything for our master. In the workplace, I, in the workplace, how can you live so that someone else is drawn to this Jesus we've talked about. Um, let me move to uh, wrap up this quickly. I was in a church for seven years where it looked very much like this. The pastor poured into the men's lives. He memorized scripture. In fact, as staff, we had to memorize scripture. And over in those seven years, we as a staff memorized 30, over 3,500 verses of scripture. Do I still have all those? No, but I got a lot of them. And, I, and that's what draws me and gives me a foundation to stand on. God's word is the only foundation. Um, the older men taught the younger men. In fact... The men would get together and a, a name of a lost man would come on their prayer list. And the only way to get off that prayer list, now this is being prayed for regularly. The only way to get off that was to be saved or die. That was it. And we watched as man after man came to Christ. Now these are farmers. These are rough men. These were, these were men who, you know... It was amazing to see that. The older women poured into the lives of the younger women. Uh, those, those mothers would meet uh, every week, and the older women would just pour into them and build them up and teach them God's Word. Um, the, it was a place where in the sev over seven years we were in that church. Within that church, there was not one divorce. Because a godly pastor poured in the lives of his people such a way. And, and we have 
that godly pastor who opens the God's word to us every week or nearly every week. Sometimes he lets people like me speak. But, but we have a pastor who takes God's word seriously and opens that and pours it into our lives. We can be that kind of church that makes a difference in the world. We can be the church that draws people to Christ. How to make Jesus look good? Live out what you know. Live out what we know in our hearts is right for the kingdom. Um, I was supposed to pray way back there, and then I was going to pray again. Did I pray earlier? I don't, I'm sorry. I, I just knew that I had a lot to get through here today. You know, at South City, we exist to love God and all people by becoming authentic disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and the good of the city. Wouldn't you like to be that church? Now, you're not here by accident today. You're not listening by accident today. Yeah, you could have turned me off if you were listening by accident. But you, there's no accident with what God's doing today. He is speaking directly to you, to me. And he is calling us to do something. Would you be willing to say, Father, whatever you, whatever you ask. We sang about doing that earlier. Let's pray. Father, you have called us today to be the kind of church that would love like no other. To be the kind of church where Jesus Christ would be Lord. To be the kind of church where the people would radiate that light of Christ. And we cannot do that without you. So we invite you we invite you to take us and change us, create in our hearts uh, that desire to know you and to love you and to make you known. And we ask you to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen.